welcome back to another edition of what I like to call From Nonsense to Godsense as we take a look at some of the things that go on in this world and we take a look at them and maybe even compare them from the worldly perspective to a biblical perspective and see if we can't make some sense out of it. And joining me, as always, is Dan Delzell. He's an author at the Christian Post and a pastor at a church in Nebraska. And Dan, one of the things that we've kind of been alluding to the last few weeks is this COVID-19. And, and fortunately, the world seems to, at least in the U.S., starting to open up a little bit, especially if you're in certain states, a little bit more freely. Other states uh, dragging their feet a little bit. But the question now is is the question to a lot of things that happen is why did this happen? You know, in the aftermath of something, we always go back and we try to understand why did this happen and what caused it. And I know a lot of people in the political world and the news world, you know, they're trying to figure it out from their perspective, but you know, from a, from a biblical perspective, you know, people might ask the question, why didn't God prevent COVID-19? Yeah, I tell you, Son, great to be with you again, and I think you're exactly right. Uh, that does get asked. It seems like anytime something major happens, especially when people are dying or suffering greatly, and, uh, you know, this, this pandemic uh, has brought about some of those same questions. And, you know, what's interesting about it, Son, is that it's really a much broader question than just COVID-19. I think most people realize that, but, you know, most people may not realize, though, you know, just some of the numbers. You know, now we passed, I guess, the 100,000 uh, death mark here in uh, the United States. Uh, more than 100,000 people have lost their lives, which, by the way, um, that was the number of people who lost their life, believe it or not, in a flu pandemic uh, here in America in 1968. So, you know. About uh, 50 years ago or so, we had that happen. Uh, and then uh, about 10 years before that, you know, there was a flu pandemic where 116,000, you know, lost their lives. Uh, and, of course, we've heard people talking, Son, about, um, you know, the pandemic 100 years ago uh, with the, uh, the Spanish uh, influenza. And uh, that, that resulted in 675,000 uh, deaths here in the United States. And so if you think about that, I mean, you know, six to seven times as many as we've had so far uh, with COVID-19. So it really is a much broader question than just COVID-19, obviously. Why didn't God prevent any of those flu pandemics? Or how about this, Son? Why didn't God prevent the Civil War, uh, you know, where 620,000 Americans lost their life? Or World War One with 116,000? Or World War Two with 405,000 Americans? Uh, you know, and not to mention, you know, the Vietnam War, 58,000, and the Korean War, 36,000. So we see these things um, that cause just terrible uh, devastation and suffering and death. And people are bound to start asking that question again, why didn't God prevent it? And, and of course, I believe there are some, some answers to this in the Bible that I know we'll be getting into today. But uh, certainly it's, it's uh, not a surprise that people would be asking that right now, because you know, um, it seems like some people don't think about God a whole lot, except when, you know, something terrible does happen. And then it's like, well, God, where were you? You know, uh, why didn't you stop it? Yeah, it's like you've mentioned in the past, there are no atheists in foxholes. And, and we like to, and that's the other thing, too, like you mentioned, you know, we like to cling to religion or to God in times of crisis. We put him in a, in a corner when we don't need him. And then in those times of crisis, we often question. 
You know, why was this happening? Why did that take place? Why did you let this occur? Without really fully understanding, you know, what it is that's going on from the heavenly realm, from the spiritual realm, it's hard for us to really understand sometimes why some of these things can happen because it is difficult. So I guess it's hard to understand, you know, coming from the perspective that when we cling to God in those bad times, we still question him. And we question, why does things happen? And we really don't understand from the spiritual realm what's going on because oftentimes we don't really understand the uh, foundation of what's going on, which makes it difficult for people. I know like my grandmother, she was 96 when she passed away. And so I can understand, you know, she's older. She was uh, failing health, had a stroke there for a little bit. And so that's an acceptable kind of death, even though it's sad. But then COVID-19 hits, it's completely unexpected. And then all of a sudden, somebody who we expect to maybe be around for a while, all of a sudden passes from this. And that even asks the question, why even more so? Because it's like, this is something that kind of came out of the blue that wasn't even expected. You know, son, I think the example you give is a very good one because we do have these expectations in our mind. Like you say, if we have an elderly uh, grandparent or parent or a loved one, and let's say they, they live until they're 90 or beyond, you know, mid nineties, um, you know, it, it does not come as a surprise or a shock when their life ends. Uh, but, but when someone loses their life at a young age, you know, to cancer or a car accident or, or some, you know, tragedy, uh, you know, that, of course, is a big shock. Um, you know, I read recently where the CEO of an Italian global banking and financial services company um, had this to say about the, the, the shock of COVID-19. He said, when you have a big shock, you need to think in terms of discontinuity. Your behavior needs to handle discontinuity. Otherwise, it won't work. Crisis management has always shown that when you have a big crisis, if you anticipate and manage the discontinuity, then you're okay. That's what we need to do on every topic, he wrote. And, and, and so um, it's those big shocks that um, really shake our foundation and cause us to start, start asking some questions that maybe we haven't asked in a while, maybe not ever at all. Um, it's the big shocks that just thinking deeply but, you know, I'll tell you, son, there are so many things uh, about God that we don't know uh, in terms of his plan. Uh, there's plenty that we do know. And he tells us all we need to know in order to know him as our, our loving uh, creator and redeemer. And he tells us all we need to know to be wise for salvation and spend eternity with him in paradise. Not to mention live a, a very um, fulfilled life on earth that is pleasing to him. But, but, you know, there are questions we don't know. For example, you know, how old are the angels? Uh, the Bible doesn't tell us that. Um, you know, we're told in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But, but you know, we're not told when the angels were created. Uh, in the beginning uh, is, is really before time began as, as we know it in this time, space, uh, dimension in which we live. Um, you know, God is outside of that. And that's why the Bible can say with the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Now, in John 1, 1, there's that same... Uh, that same phrase, interestingly, uh, as we find in Genesis, in the beginning. Only in John 1, it's, uh, 1, 1, it's in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And, and so, when was that? Well, um, you know, there, there isn't a, a, a number that we can put on that. Uh, we can put numbers on, uh, for example, uh, those in the Old Testament, when God gives us how old they were when they died. Um, you know, for example, Adam and Eve and their children and so forth. We're given um, ages that tell us that it was 6,000 years ago, roughly, when God created Adam and Eve. 
um, we have that timeline with those literal numbers in the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament. But what we don't have uh, is we don't have an answer to how old are the angels and when did God create them? Because obviously, um, Lucifer showed up there in the Garden of Eden. So they were, they'd been created before that. And, and actually, Sam, this is where it really starts to get interesting. Uh, and that's kind of why I, I took, this, uh, took my thoughts here in this direction. Because as we address the big question of why didn't God prevent COVID-19, and then we think about all the death and disease that entered the world, we are going to be circling our way back here to uh, the angels, believe it or not, and then to um, their interaction with man, particularly that fallen angel, uh, Satan, you know. And uh, we're going to really start to get some clues here on as to why God didn't prevent it. Um, all we really have to do is look at the big picture. And so I'm looking forward to us, you know, tackling that here today. Yeah, I guess you can take the question back to then why did God allow Satan to fall? Because that would have ended everything right there if he allowed that to happen. If he wanted to take that into control, you know, you could just start there with the whys. Why did God allow this to happen? Well, why did God allow yep. Satan to fall? Because then that's the beginning, like you said, of everything. Then you go to the garden and then the temptation and then you've got Adam and Eve sinning and then the world changes because sin enters the world. And then it's just a, a snowball downhill from there. Well, that, that, that's right, Sean. And, and what's interesting, uh, when, when we think about Lucifer in the Bible, you know, the prophet Ezekiel, um, addresses, uh, you know, Lucifer in Ezekiel 28, and he describes in this way. He says, you were the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor, so I threw you to the earth. And so this this is uh, such a, a deep insight into what really happened there in in heaven as, as God created uh, you know angels to be holy. He created them to worship Him. He created them to serve Him, um, and He created them interestingly, Son, um, with free will. Now, if we think about God, we're talking about a being who is three persons in one God, and God, of course, has free will. God decides what to do and what not to do. God makes the call. Um, you, you don't go any higher than God. He's, he's at the top of, of everything because he's the creator. Satan um, is not equal with, with God. It's not like, you know, you've got evil and good, and, and they're just kind of dueling it out, and they're both very close in terms of their power and whatnot. No, no. Um, you know, Lucifer is a created angel, and, and yet the first instance of evil the origination of evil uh, in the universe is here when Lucifer's heart became proud on account of his beauty. And, and this occurred, Son, you know, somewhere there in, in what I like to call eternity past, um, because we're not really um, told too much about what was going on there in heaven. I mean, again, I'm just glad that we have this insight in Ezekiel, but it's really pointing back to something that happened way back there in the beginning, way back there, even before uh, God created uh, the heavens and the earth. Uh, it would seem that um, he made the angels sometime in that, uh, in that span, if you want to call it that. But then uh, notice what Ezekiel said, so I threw you to the earth. And this is what Jesus was referring to in Luke 10:18 when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So, you know, you put your finger on the mandible side when you said, well, you know, I guess we, I mean, God could have just, you know, not given Satan that, that opportunity. And that's exactly right. Um, God could have made Satan so that he couldn't 
uh, sin. And when we get to man here in a minute, son, what we're going to see is man, uh, well, I'll just read Genesis 1, 27. Um, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so because man was created in the image of God, man was created with free will. Man was created as a three-in-one being, body, soul, and spirit. You know, First Thessalonians 5, 23 says, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. So man was created with free will, like Lucifer. And, and this, is, this is starting to get to the question, Son, and then we'll look at these verses uh, where, where Adam and Eve made their choice. But, um, you know, God could have prevented COVID. God could have prevented the Spanish flu, you know, influenza. God could have prevented the Civil War and the World Wars and the Vietnam War and the Korean War. And he could have prevented Satan from becoming proud in heaven and, and rebelling. Uh, if God had decided to make robots who did not have free will, but instead were programmed to only obey him, he could have prevented all of it, you know? But, but, but I'll just say this, son. Um, how many parents, I wonder, if they had their choice between a baby robot or a baby human being? Um, some little, you know, um, machine that is programmed to to love you. I mean, even if you could make that baby, you know, very lifelike in some of its features and, and kind of how it feels and, and everything, but it would have no soul. It would have no free will. It, it would be a robot, okay? How many parents would take that rather than a real living baby boy or baby girl? So, so this was the decision God had long before you and I were ever, you know, on the scene. Uh, long before Adam and Eve were even on the scene, and God made his decision. He wanted to have man choose to love him. He wanted to have angels who could serve him, not just to be programmed to serve him. And, and of course, you know, the Bible tells us that a third of the angels fell along with Lucifer. So we're starting to get to that answer, son, really, as we look at it, but it is very much wrapped up in the issue of free will, and God's decision to make man in his image. Because if God had made man as a robot, that would not have really been in the image of God. You know, uh, God has free will. God chooses uh, to do certain things. And everything God chooses is good and holy. And, and when Lucifer made his decision uh, to become wicked and to become proud, and when Adam and Eve made their decision uh, to rebel, that was not on God. That was on them. And, uh, and so really the rest is, is history. Yeah. I think one of the things that makes it a little bit more difficult for some people to understand is, you know, we're in the mentality of inquiring, inquiring minds want to know, we want to have the answers. And sometimes we just can't understand the answers or don't have the answers because as you were talking there, you know, a lot of questions kind of pop up that aren't addressed in the Bible. And we just have to take by faith that God in control is handling these things and has it together for a reason. And so thus, like you said, if, you know, Satan, wasn't created to be Satan or wasn't created, then Satan wouldn't have come along and things would have been different. But when you take a look at Adam and Eve, you know, here's something and we compare the two because you have Satan that's kind of there in Ezekiel, but not much else is there. And so we just have to take by faith that it happened. But yet we have now Adam and Eve in a similar situation. And, um, 
And although it might not have been their pride and beauty that made them fall, it was maybe their wanting to be as powerful as God because Satan was able to come in and out-tempt them. And so now we have Adam and Eve, like you said in Genesis 1, male and female created in God's own image in the Garden of Eden, the perfect place. And it's fascinating, but yet it's almost seems like not God-like that he would make this creative, uh, he would create the garden, and then he put the one thing in there that he did not want them to touch. So it's like he, it's, it's like if you use the parent analogy, it's like, okay, kids, you can have anything in this room, but don't touch that. And if you go to a store and you see a sign that says, please do not touch, what's the first thing you want to do is you want to touch it. And so it's kind of, it's kind of a strange development yeah. here that God creates yeah. this perfect garden with man and women after his own image. And then he drops this thing in there and says, don't touch that. Well, yeah, well, that, that is. It's very interesting, son, isn't it? You know, in Genesis 2, uh, verses 15 to 17, it, it describes what you're talking about there, where the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So as you say, son, you know, on one hand, you, you know, it seems odd that God would do that, and if we try to ascertain as to perhaps why God may have done that, um, it certainly seems to me as though this was going to provide a way for Adam and Eve to demonstrate their trust in God, their willingness to follow God's lead, their willingness to do what God says is best for them. You know, think about this, son. If they had no option whatsoever for, for sin and wrongdoing, um, then you would say, well, that's really only like maybe one step away from being programmed as a robot in, in the sense that, well, of course they're going to obey. There's no alternative to that. Well, um, God chose that there would be an alternative here. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and I guess the thing, Son, and, and actually, you know, um, I, I've never really thought about it until right now as we're having this discussion, and that is, um, you know, is, is there any connection between Lucifer's rebellion and then the way God set it up here where um, there was this tree that was forbidden? I, I don't know that there is necessarily a connection, um, you know, but, but I'll tell you, um, for one reason or another, that, that, that forbidden tree was there. And so picture a garden song with 99 trees that God says, go enjoy that. Kind of like right now, you know, God says to Christians, there are hundreds of things, go and enjoy. But then there are these things that are off limits because they offend me. They're offensive to me. Okay, so go enjoy the hundred things that you see, but, but, but not these others. Uh, well, one thing that sin now has brought into the world is it seems to have increased the alternatives for bad and evil. You know, now it's not just one tree. Uh, now there, there are quite a few different distractions, especially here in America, I guess. You know, but, but if we go back to Adam and Eve, as they were given that command, what happened? Well, in Genesis 3, we're told when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, of course, I didn't read the verses there where you know, Satan was, was tempting them. Satan was tricking them. Satan was, was suggesting things to them. And, and so evil began with Satan, and, and Adam and Eve were not created as, as sinful, um, but they were created with free will. 
And it was Satan then who introduced the idea of evil to Adam and Eve, um, the idea of going against God's rules, which, which, you know, really, they would have had no reason at all to go there. And, and I, don't, I don't see how they would have gone, you know, if it had not been for Lucifer, because, again, they did not have a sinful nature. Um, they, 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 I think, would have just, um, being holy beings that they were, they would have just gone with God's plan. But, but again, after Lucifer talked to them, um, Satan convinced them to look outside of God's plan. You know, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. You know, years later, you know, King David would look out from his balcony and he would see this woman bathing, this beautiful woman, Bathsheba. And, and, and when he saw with his eye the, what, what looked good to him and pleasing to his eye and, and desirable for, you know, satisfying some of his, his physical needs and, and desires, um, then he would, he would uh, pursue that forbidden fruit. But this is the history of the world now. Ever since Adam and Eve, uh, man is confronted with right and wrong, good and evil, you know, sin and holiness. And, and it, it's this free will, I believe, Son, that helps us to get to the, to the question of why didn't God prevent COVID-19? Um, you know, God did not seem to want to have a world where, where people were programmed to obey him. Uh, any more than, you know, parents would want robots rather than, you know, little bo- little babies and then children and teenagers. So, um, you know, we don't have all the answers, um, but, but these are some clues, I think, uh, to uh, wrap our minds around, you know, something like COVID-19. It really helps us, it reminds us, look at the big picture and how it says in Romans 5 that sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all men because all sin. So when Adam and Eve sinned and opened the Pandora's box, as it were, and sin and disease and, and pandemics and, and tsunamis and, and hurricanes and tornadoes and cancer and murder and war and all this stuff, you know, man's body getting older and dying, all of this stuff, you know, um, that has, has come from that original sin. And, uh, you know, these are, these are some very important things that the Bible um, gives to us to just help us look at the big picture, especially when we have a big shock, when we have a lot of discontinuity, when, when the foundation underneath us seems to be crumbling, and we're like, Lord, what's going on here? Um, well, it helps to go back to God's love letter to us, the Bible, and those 66 books as, as we try to wrap our mind around it. Yeah, I think a lot of things probably changed in this world. Obviously, it did when sin entered it, but also for God's plan, too, because a lot of times I remember when my friend Chris died, uh, Lloyd Ogilvie was the pastor at the uh, funeral, and he said, you know, there's natural laws in this world, and God's established those natural laws, and when you go beyond the bounds of those natural laws, there's going to be consequences, and now there'll be times maybe when God intervenes and, you know, the miracle happens. But a lot of times in this world, you know, we're confined and we're bound to live within the natural laws of the world that God created and set up. And then, like you said, through our free will and through choice and through the way God set things up, bad things are going to happen, things that are going to be adverse to us. And so I think that's also kind of like the beginnings here when you talk about Adam and Eve falling in the garden. It's set up this natural law, this boundary where things like COVID-19 come into this world, cancer comes into this world, you know, the bubonic plague comes into this world and other things. And then it becomes a result of what happened back in the Garden of Eden and then the way the world kind of developed from that time when they fell um, eating the fruit of, uh, uh, from the tree. 
Yeah, you know, I really, I really think that that's um, the right way to look at it, Son. I, I think that um, it does all flow from that. It stems from that. That's where, uh, that's where the sin, you know, came in. Death came in. Um, the Bible makes that very clear. And and while that doesn't, Son, give us all the answers that we would like to have, especially on a personal basis, you know, because somebody might, you know, might might be able to wrap their mind around that and understand that from kind of a philosophical and theological perspective. But then they still may not have the answers they want for why is my loved one going through what he or she is going through? Why, why am I going through this? I kind of get that big picture. And so it doesn't always seem to get um, deep enough for us. And, and yet um, what, what the Bible does remind us is that Jesus did not remain distant. God did not remain distant from us in our suffering, but he actually entered right into the middle of it. And, and Christ endured tremendous agony so that we could have um, the paradise that was lost restored to us. Um, the Garden of Eden, as it were, was lost, um, restored to us by, um, by just giving us uh, eternity in this beautiful place the Bible calls heaven. And, and while that doesn't make all the pain go away today, um, it does certainly provide comfort and hope and what millions of Christians have experienced over the centuries, son, is it's given them the courage and the hope to press on in the midst of this because God is saying, hey, um, this is going to be short-lived in the big picture. You know, um, you know the, these sufferings that we have right now uh, are not going to last forever. Um, they, they are temporary. But what is seen, uh, what is unseen, rather, is eternal. You know, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So COVID-19 is temporary, but eternity in heaven with God uh, for all who trust him, for all who repent and believe the good news, that is eternal. And, and so, um, you know, it, it really is a challenge, but we get to use our free will today to either trust God, um, to rely upon him, to, to wait upon him, to say, Lord, um, help me in the midst of my, my maybe even my hopelessness, um, and, and we can choose to do that, or we can get bitter, and we can blame God. Of course, that's what Satan wants. You know, Satan wants us to blame God, to turn our back on God, um, to, to think he's the problem rather than the solution. Well, Satan is the problem. Sin is the problem. Um, this world presents problems because it's a fallen world. We are fallen creatures. But in heaven, we're going to have perfect bodies incapable of sin or disease or death. And, and so God says, hang on. You know, um, don't don't give up. I'm, I'm not going to let go of you. Uh, just don't make uh, a decision that you'll regret. Don't, you know, don't just throw in the towel. Don't just, you know, assume that I, I've, I've forgotten you when I haven't. Um, don't believe Satan's lies. I mean, look at where that got us on when Adam and Eve, they listened to Satan's lies. And my goodness, that, that, that brought about the mess that we're in. So um, we, we can, there's so much we can learn from Scripture as we um, seek to address COVID-19 or any other issues uh, that, that we face in our life today. Dan Delzell with us talking about the uh, possibilities of why did God allow COVID-19 to happen? Why didn't he stop it? Uh, Dan writes for the uh, Christian Post online. And Dan, you know, as we look for answers, people are looking to science. They're looking to 
investigation of, you know, maybe criminal matters or was it sabotage? I mean, you know, there's conspiracies out there. There's, you know, it was uh, biologically engineered from a lab in China or was accidentally released from a lab in China. It was done on purpose, right. you know, all these different things. And we may never know the origins because we're dealing with China, an entity that, you know, isn't really the most honest of all people uh, as far as their government goes, the communist government. So we may not know the answers that we're looking for. Right. And so the one thing, though, that I think that we can really focus on, and I know a couple of people, um, you know, have have actually publicly come out like the My Pillow guy. And I even think recently the wrestler Hulk Hogan made reference to this. Uh, and oh. that is, you know, what it says in Isaiah 55, seek the Lord, taking time now through this whole thing to get back to the basics and read the Bible, pray, and to seek the Lord, because even though we might not have answers, we can find comfort and we can find peace that passes all understanding when we seek him. Yes, indeed, son. Yeah, those passages in uh, Isaiah 55 are just um, so powerful in this regard. Uh, You know, um, we're told, seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near, let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will freely pardon. And so here we see an example of God inviting man to exercise his free will uh, in the direction of, of God, in the direction of holiness, in the direction of freedom and forgiveness, um, rather than in the direction of wickedness, which is the way Satan went, and, and Adam and Eve for a while uh, went that way. Uh, but, but here we're told, let the wicked forsake his way, and the evil man his thoughts. And, and, and so this is our challenge today, especially in a culture where so many things that God calls uh, evil uh, are, are being called good and acceptable. Well, um, you know, only the Lord defines what is good and what is evil. I mean, of course, man's going to want to try to, um, you know, reinvent uh, good and evil. Man's going to want to try to to make things uh, out in a way that that his that match his desires. But but, you know, son, the problem, one of the problems we have as human beings is that many times we have desires that are not in line with God, that are not in line with, with the direction he wants us to go. And, and so um, this is why it's so important that we seek the Lord while he may be found, because the Lord won't be found forever. Uh, the Lord won't be available forever. Um, there is a time in everyone's life when they will no longer have any more opportunities uh, to even call upon the Lord. Now, for us as believers, of course, we're going to have eternity with the Lord, and so that will never happen for us. But 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 for the one who's kind of wondering, you know, whether or not to, to get on the Lord's side or not, uh, today is the day of salvation. Today he can be found, but a day is coming, my friend, when he won't be able to be found. And, and specifically, you know, the Bible, and Jesus talked a lot about this, you know, um, hell is a place where God will not be able to be found. I mean, son, we can't even fathom, you know, somebody being in a place where, I mean, God's not even going to be listening or available to be reached. I mean, even here on earth, if somebody, let's say they're rotting away in some jail cell somewhere in, in some country where, you know, the conditions of their, of their prisons are, let's say, you know, uh, you know, a hundred times worse than, you know, the worst prison in America, even there, you know, you know, we would encourage that person, you know, call upon God because, you know, he, he will hear your prayer here in this prison. But, you know, there's nothing in the Bible that ever indicates that anyone in hell will be able to call on God with even an ounce of hope that somehow he could be found, he will get, have mercy. You know, the Bible says um, it's appointed on the man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And so there is a finality 
that, that happens um, when a person's life on earth ends. And this is one of the mind-boggling aspects of the Bible, Son, that, that we live in this little window of time right now. And you and I have talked a lot about this in, in recent, um, you know, recent conversations, but um, this little window of time. And, and it's what a person does with Jesus today that will really determine um, whether they leave this world on the highway to heaven and then enter heaven immediately or leave this world on the highway to hell and enter hell immediately. And Jesus, you know, he pulled no punches. He made it very, very clear. For example, in Matthew 7, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So Jesus was speaking there about heaven and hell. He was speaking there about both roads, the wide road and the narrow road. And this, of course, is the message, Son, that we've been given to share. And even though it's not a popular message in, in many quarters, it's not a popular message in many places in America. Because, you know, natural man, he just wants to do his own thing. Don't bother me with talk about that. I don't believe that. I mean, you know, you, you, you get that from people. You, you hear people just sometimes they just resent even being told that, you know, they, they resent this message of eternity. Well, you know, our job is to share what God has given us to share because we know that, that this is the truth. Um, God has revealed that to us through his word. Those who don't know, well, you know, um, as much as we would like them to, to like us, I mean, you know, it, it's more important that, that they be saved. And so while we will try to not be offensive in our manner, um, if the message that we bring uh, is somewhat offensive to them, well, then they'll have to take that up with God. It's our job to lovingly uh, convey the message. And, you know, it's kind of like if you know, somebody's inside a burning house, and let's say they're out of their mind and they don't want to be pulled out of the house. Well, if you're a firefighter or even just a concerned neighbor or anyone, you're going to go in there. You're not going to worry too much about, you know, their feelings. Um, even if they're out of their mind, you're going to be like, well, you know, I, I'm trying to reach them for their own good. And this is kind of the position Christians are in today. You know, um, someone who's not with Jesus is out of their mind. I mean, you and I were son. Anybody is without Jesus. We're out of our mind. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So, uh, again, we have to be careful not to offend in our manner, I believe. Um, I think we want to be gracious and humble, uh, but we also have to be very clear and, and, and we have to be compelling and earnest because if we truly believe what, what we say when we're talking about this, we really stop and think about it. I mean, there's nothing more important than a person's eternal uh, destiny, than, than their relationship with God. And so, uh, you know, folks will have to excuse us. If we uh, come across a little bit uh, impassioned in our in our pleas, um, and even if they don't excuse us, you know, um, I mean, I guess what I would like to maybe ask an, an unbeliever in that situation is I would say maybe, well, what would you do if you were in our shoes, okay? If you were convinced that heaven and hell existed, and, and, and I didn't believe that, and you were convinced you were on the way to heaven, and you didn't want me to go to hell, would you tell me? You know, would you tell me? I mean, what would you do if you were in my shoes? And again, not not to be, you know, overly aggressive on that, but just simply to say, um, you know, this this is something that um, is dealing with the most important matters you could ever deal with, but it can only be understood as it's revealed to you through the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there, there are a lot of moving parts in this, but, but we just have to be careful as Christians that we don't, you know, become compromised to the point where it's like, well, not intentionally. I didn't say that right. We have to be careful that we don't become compromised at all, but certainly not to 
um, to the point where it's like, well, I better not say anything about heaven and hell because, uh, you know, I, I, I know what they, they think about that. Or, um, you know, I better not talk about certain topics. Um, I mean, there's another topic that I, I read about today that, um, you know, we could perhaps even address that has a similar kind of a, uh, of a, of a ring to its on. But, um, but yeah, I mean, this is what we're trying to do as Christians, get the word out to people while there's still time. Yeah, I've often, often wondered as you talk about that, the people that I've come across and maybe spent significant time with, whether it be through a prior job or whatever, and so I didn't spend enough time, you know, talking to them about God or witnessing to them as people would want us to say. And it often makes me wonder, you know, are those opportunities missed? What if we're the only one? I don't think believe this, but what if we are the only one? What if we're the only one that crosses paths with somebody that has an opportunity to talk to them? Or maybe we're one that someone might be receptive to listening to, and we miss those opportunities, and we don't take care of those opportunities when we have them. And I've often wondered, you know, what the, what the result of that might be, because each person I know is, is um, in control or responsible for their own decisions and their own faith and their own whether they reject God or accept him. But yet we also have a responsibility and a duty to make sure that we live our lives in such a manner where people, A, they see the example that we are for God, but then two, take the moments and the opportunities to even, you know, share with them our faith if it comes up. And I often wondered that as you're saying that, as you were talking, you know, how does that fit in when, you know, there's opportunities wasted and we think back that, you know, what if you have these people that we were the only ones that could have been the one that God used? Now, I know there's other people that could come along, but I just, I just find that kind of interesting that, you know, we probably have a lot of times missed an opportunity where we could have really been used yeah. by God. And, yeah. you know, and how does that really affect us? And, and when we think about it, it's kind of sad, you know, not, not necessarily for the other person, but sad for us that we didn't have the right. faith or we didn't have the ability or we didn't have the courage, right. you know, yeah. to, to, you know, speak up. Yes, son, it's a very sobering thought, and, and uh, something that I think we should ponder and consider as Christians. And it reminds me of something that happened here a number of months ago in our area, and I wrote an article about it, um, but there, there was uh, a vehicle with several uh, teenagers in it, like 19 years old, and uh, uh, they, they went um, careening off the path and actually uh, ended up upside down in a little pond, and, and they were trapped in there, it seemed. Uh, but there was a guy taking photos nearby, and um, he rushed over to the car and got them out as the car was filling with water, and it really saved their lives. So, so, and it was, of course, in the news, and then I wrote this article about how, you know, God's intervention in sending Jesus to be our Savior was like this dramatic rescue here in Nebraska. Uh, well, um, that, that is, is really brought out by your question and your points on what, you know, what about those times we missed that opportunity? Um, you know, is there going to be anybody else to, to reach them? Uh, well, in the case of, of those young men in that car, um, I don't know that there would have been anyone else other than that one man who was there in the right place at the right time. And, and so it's a good reminder to Assam that, you know, uh, today as I'm, as I'm getting ready for the day and going about my day and seeking to serve the Lord, um, maybe I should pause and think and pray, Lord, you know, um, who are you going to perhaps, you know, allow to cross my path today? that maybe could hear the gospel for the last time, uh, could, could uh, you know, be invited to a church service or receive some Christian literature or, or, or be prayed for for the last time. Um, and, and so these opportunities, Son, that were given, uh, as you wisely point out, are ones that we, we need to really be prepared for through prayer, 
um, by, by staying in God's word, um, remaining strong in the Lord, and then saying, Lord, give me the courage. Lord, help me. Lord, help me to, to make the right, uh, the right moves at the right time, to say the right things, to be very um, intentional in how I do this. And then ultimately, um, you know, we ask the Holy Spirit to do the work in their hearts because um, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Dan Delzell with us, and we're talking about uh, the main topic is why did God allow COVID-19 or why did God not stop it? And, and Dan, one of the things that seems to come up um, when we have things like this, and I remember it kind of started back in the 94 earthquake here in, uh, in Northridge, California. And in, in 94, 1994, the earthquake happened out in the San Fernando Valley. And at the time, the San Fernando Valley was kind of like the, the heartbeat of the adult entertainment business. And so then all these people started coming out and saying it was God's wrath on them. And that's why he sent the earthquake. And, and you know, and they, were, they were citing, you know, Noah and the flood that God, you know, had sent the flood because the people weren't, um, you know, worshiping God and they were turning their backs on him. And then, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. And so they start bringing up all these biblical examples of why God will send something to punish his people. And so I've heard whispers, not a whole lot. It hasn't really gained traction, but I've heard whispers that, you know, COVID-19 might be God's way of punishing the world for turning their back on him. Is there any valid uh, validity to that? Or is that something that we should just dismiss and, 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 and say, you know, no, that's not the case here. This is just something different than God's punishment on the world. Yeah, you know, I, I've heard some people, you know, make, you know, really similar, similar comments to that sign. And, and, you know, um, I personally don't, don't believe that that's what's happening with, with COVID-19. Um, I, you know, I, I think there are so many instances, as, as I've already cited here today, with, you know, pandemics and world wars and other things. Um, well, certainly there are, you know, examples in the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, where, where God did cause certain things to happen. Um, as, as a punishment for man's sin. I mean, my goodness, I mean, you know, the worldwide flood, the great flood that he caused, um, of course, that was um, punishment for man's, man's wickedness. But, but you know, um, as Jesus has now come, uh, and we're told in the Bible he came not to condemn the world but to save the world, you know, we're living in this day of grace. Uh, now, <clears throat> in, the, in the book of Romans, it, it talks about those sons who are storing up wrath for the day of God's judgment. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're really seeing God's wrath be poured out, even in things like COVID-19. I, I think those are just more um, examples of what has come from sin in the world, um, the, the death and, and, and the disease that comes, you know, because sin is in the world. I mean, nobody uh, would ever want to face the wrath of God if they knew what it was like. And, of course, there are those today who are facing it, um, who are in hell, and, and many will be going there. Um, and God wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So um, God would far rather, you know, you, you face his love and receive his grace and repent and believe than, than to face his judgment. This is why, you know, the Bible says the Lord takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn, you know, and turn from their evil ways. And, and, and also says in the Bible, the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that everyone, you know, should come to repentance. And, and beyond that, it says God wants all men to be saved and to, and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And that Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. So it's clear in the Bible that God doesn't want to punish people, but at the same time, he's a holy God, he's a just God, and, and, and he does punish sin. Christ bore our punishment on the cross, 
and 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 there are others today who are uh, storing up wrath, and unless they repent, they will face the, the full force of God's wrath. But I really don't believe COVID nineteen. And personally, I don't really see that in the same uh, in that same vein as God's wrath as I do. Just really more of a consequence of sin in the world. You know, Dan, when we take a look at the things that are going on in this world, and now we've got this uh, pandemic that we're dealing with, and we're going to be coming out of it. It looks like a lot of the the world is kind of opening up, at least here in the U.S., I should say. We're opening up a little bit more, and people are getting out. Do you think that, and we've been reflecting, you know, hopefully reflecting on life, and we, we have terms like the new normal and things like that. Um, and as we, we move forward, do you think it's one of those things where as we get more comfortable again, as we get more complacent maybe again, it requires us as believers and, and Christians to have more effort because we've talked about, you know, in times of hardship, you know, like you've mentioned, there's no atheists in foxholes, but once you get out of the foxhole, now all of a sudden God doesn't exist. Do you think it's more of a challenge for us to, to make sure that we stay focused and not get uh, complacent again and not just go back to the old way, but have a part of the new normal being this focus on Jesus, focus on God? Because I guess the lesson too that we can learn from this is that we don't know when we're going to take our last, last breath. You know, a lot of people just assume that we're going to live to be an old age, or maybe we might get sick and we might have a period of time where we can adjust to our potential loss of life. Um, I know in Los Angeles, one of the uh, more frequent things that kind of is a fear is, you know, an accident on the freeway that takes your life instantaneously, but we never know when our time has come. And for people that have really reflected on their life with God and their spiritual walk during this time of COVID. And now we're going to get back into the new normal with the world opening. Should that new normal be a, re, a, a renewed focus and, and, and making sure that we don't get complacent again in our faith and make sure that we don't go back to the old way and just rely on God when we need him, but make him front and center in everything that we do? I think that's a, a wonderful way to respond to a COVID-19, really, Son, because we can make the most of it by by just uh, renewing our our focus on the Lord, by, by remembering that, you know, uh, especially here in America, as things tend to be pretty comfortable here compared to, obviously, you know, many areas of the world, um, we, we don't want to become complacent. We don't want to take things for granted. We don't want to just let our lives slip by and not, not have really made made a difference. And so I think your point's a good one um, to to use this as an opportunity to just um, draw closer to the Lord, uh, to ask the Lord to speak to us through his word, to open up those doors for us, um, to be his faithful witnesses, and then to take advantage of those opportunities. And what better time than now? Yes, and as you say, I like the way you put that, son. Why, why not make that the new normal? You know, uh, why, why not use something that, um, really, it, it, it's turning many in the direction of hopelessness, uh, but it doesn't have to because there's hope in the Lord. And, and when we are weak, um, his strength can become greater in us. And, and that's a great way, I believe, Asan, just as you said, to respond to this, uh, to renew our focus uh, and, and ask the Lord to just give us an even greater zeal uh, to reach others with his amazing grace and his, his wonderful love. It's almost like we get a clean slate in a way with the way we conduct our lives because for a lot of us, especially in some places that were a little bit more stringent with lockdown, we had to give up the things that we did going out, uh, places we'd go, things we'd do, maybe people we'd hang out with. And so we get this kind of clean slate to kind of start over and be like, okay, what do I want to do when we open back up again? How do I want my life to be? The other thing too, which is kind of something that um, 
we should probably consider is that even though God didn't prevent COVID-19 and maybe it's not punishment because uh, that's not what God wants from us. He wants everybody to be saved. It is a time where God will allow these things or use these things or give us an opportunity through these things to draw near to him. And so if anything, no matter what we are going through, no matter what our understanding is of COVID-19 and our experiences, the one thing that we can do is we can take this opportunity again to renew ourselves with God and to draw near him. And like said in Isaiah, seek the Lord, because in, uh, in the end, that's the only thing that really matters. You know, life is brief here on earth. And we like to, especially in the workforce, you know, we, I know many people that lost jobs or they're not working, but there was the rat race, the rat race of work, get up in the morning at 5am to beat traffic, to get to work, to stay till six, and then struggle through traffic, getting back home and this rat race, rat race, rat race. And we're like, dude, we don't have time for anything. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, I don't have a job or I've been furloughed or I'm not working because I'm a non-essential. So now I have all this time. And so it's another way to just kind of renew ourselves and be like, you know what, when the time comes again, I'm going to make time. Because oftentimes we like to say, I don't have time for something. When in reality, we just need to prioritize our time and then time will open up and we will have time for that. So whether it's going back to church, whether it's going back to a midweek Bible study, whether it's reading the Bible on a daily basis, whether it's praying for others, whether it's getting together as a body of Christ in some other capacity other than the church itself, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a night out or something, you know, there's ways that we can start to construct life again in a way that's all that's beneficial for us and healthy, but also in a way that we can then get back on the path and realize that this world and what we're living in is a shortened period of time and that we need to focus on all eternity and where we want eternity to be spent, whether it's heaven or whether it's hell and some of the things that we've talked about in the past. Well, what it makes me think of, Son, as you described that so well, is just what goes on when people do suffer or when Christians are even persecuted. I mean, what do we see happening with, with for example, the faith of Christians in, in a place like China, uh, you know, where there is, you know, the persecution of Christians um, and certainly other areas of the world as well. But, but in China, we see the depth of, of their faith uh, being really just incredible and, and the response. And, and so in many ways, I think that the depth of our uh, suffering, the depth of our challenges, uh, the depth of, of persecution or, or of difficulty um, can open the way for an even deeper relationship with the Lord, because then God's grace is going to need to be greater because, you know, people, you know, Christians in China really son, I mean, they need more of God's grace than we do here in America in the sense that they're, they're facing much stiffer uh, persecution. Uh, so, so the more grace that you need, um, then the more you're going to uh, tend to rely upon God and, and, and just recognize your own limitations, your own needs. So, yes, COVID-19 can do that for us. Um, uh, but, but, again, it's almost like that quote I, I gave of that CEO uh, there that um, in order to manage the discontinuity, we have to kind of reorient our thinking to what you're describing there, son, and that is, okay, uh, Lord, um, I, I really want to go deeper now with you. I want to refocus. I, rather than, you know, getting bitter or blaming you, which, again, even that question, why didn't God prevent COVID-19? You know, it, it's, you know, it's intentionally uh, put that way, uh, you know, when I, when I um, address that issue, because I want people thinking about, um, you know, you know, is God the one we blame or, but, but then to hopefully come to the conclusion, Oh, far from it. Um, you know, God saw COVID-19 coming long before it arrived at our doorstep. 
Um, you know, he saw it back when he gave man, you know, free will, but he nevertheless, you know, decided to make man in his image, not as robots. And it, it opened up the Pandora's box. Uh, and now those who are weak, um, can be strong in Christ and, and we can live and die in Christ and go to heaven, or we can live in our own strength and, and, and live frustrated lives, maybe even angry at God. And, and then die, you know, Christopher Hitchens, who wrote that book a few years back, you know, God is not great. I mean, what a sad commentary on how far the human heart can go from God. I mean, to, to not only, it's one thing to believe that, as obviously, you know, many people obviously seem to believe that, many atheists, let's say, and some other people, but, but then to write a book. I mean, how brazen do you have to be? You know, I mean, Lucifer got to that point in heaven where he was created as a holy, perfect angel who loved God. But, but then um, his heart became proud on account of his beauty. And, and, you know, if Lucifer had written a book way back then, it might have had that same title. You know, God is not great. It, it would, you know, maybe the subtitle would have been, hey, look at me. I'm the great one, you know. Uh, but um, it really does boil down to whether or not we're going to seek the Lord's song. Because if we don't, there are a whole host of other obsessions and things that will depress us and discourage us and, and plenty of things that will be like quicksand that will pull us under and we'll be lost forever with no hope in this life or in the world to come. Jesus is our only anchor. He's our only hope. He said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. He said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the bread of life. I mean, on and on it goes. Um, the question, son, for every human being is, what am I going to do with Jesus? And, and, and am I going to trust him as my Savior? Am I going to turn away from my sin or not? Uh, because the time is running out. Time is short. COVID-19 reminds us that time is short. 100,000 Americans have lost their life to it. Um, but even if you and I, and hopefully we will, you know, and all the listeners, hopefully we'll, we'll survive COVID-19, but our time is coming. The end of our life is, is coming and, and we need the Lord and we need him today. And, and today is the day of salvation. And so today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Um, you know, today, if you're thirsty, uh, come to the one who will pour living water into your soul and just ask Jesus to forgive you and save you. And you'll be so glad you did. Dan Delzell, thank you so much. Dan is the author of the Christian Post. Many articles there, Christian Post uh, online. Many articles there that you can search and find out. And also a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And Dan, where can uh, people find you if they want to know more, reach out to you? Uh, they could just um, find us at a Redeemer a Church in Papillion, Nebraska, P-A-P-I-L-L-I-O-N. And, and I've got uh, quite a few uh, video messages on there from our Sunday uh, messages there from Redeemer and, um, and also the Christian Post, uh, you know, over 500 articles on there that I've written that, uh, that, that, that folks uh, could, could search and I'm sure find some topics that they would um, be interested in, 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 you know, reading more about. And Dan, we appreciate it. We thank you for your time and uh, we look forward to our next conversation. And, and as of this uh, taping, couple weeks we're going to be uh together doing some stuff in uh in omaha lincoln area so looking forward to that too absolutely son I, i'm very much looking forward to that as well and uh and then we'll be able to come back and uh, probably share uh, some of those experiences here and you know in a future podcast so that'll be that'll be terrific absolutely again dan thanks so much appreciate it and uh, we look forward to next time oh I, I do as well thank you so much son and for those of you listening thanks for listening do tell a friend and until next time god bless